Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me, telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one while you head to a dodgy after party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring, though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. What's this all about, then, Hamish? Okay, so have you ever sent a text to the wrong person? Not that I can remember. I've sent an email to the wrong person. It was a guy that I was travelling with and I told him that I was enjoying the love of men in every port. Oh, God. And it's a, it a guy I was going out with. He wrote back and said, I think you've sent this to the wrong person. And, I never, and yeah. by the way, it's I, over. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. 
I'm enjoying the love. That was my words. It was a joke. Oh, God. Yeah, he didn't take it well. So I've got a friend of mine who is crazy into cars. Okay, he works in cars. He's called Rory Smith. Um, he's like a car journalist. Okay, hello, him. Rory. Amazing. Yeah, you're worth looking him up. And I... The other day, there were these supercars at the beach. So I did a video, me walking along the supercars, and I texted him, here's a bit of car porn for you. Yeah. <laughs> I sent it to my mum. I sent it to my mum. Oh, no, car porn. She Your innocent understand. mother. Yeah. So I think, because it was morning here, it might have been midnight there. So I, luckily, it was on WhatsApp, where you can go delete for everyone. Okay, good. So she's not commented. <laughs> okay, good. But I'm afraid that she might have thought something weird well at least it wasn't actual porn no here's some actual porn for you would be a weirder text <laughs> here you go mummy <laughs> yeah <laughs> thought you might be interested yeah. in this king dong <laughs> what are the other good the porn film oh names? debbie does it... dallas is the famous one but yeah no but you thought some we'll good do some ones research into that no, you already did i feel like a few weeks I, ago i, you I had did some actually, good names. i think yeah. i did yeah Oh yeah, I did, I think. I'll do some more research on that later, yeah. yes. In today's episode, we want to talk to you about alcohol and the workplace. This is sort of a following on, in a way, from last week's episode. We want to cover everything from the stresses of your jobs leading you to drink, to drinking cultures around work, Christmas parties and everything in between. Sure. In Vic and I, you have two people who haven't exactly tread the conventional path with regards to our careers, but we will do our best to share from our experiences. And of course, flood you with research to plug the gaps. Yep, it's time to put on your pinstripe suit, shine up your work shoes and take your mind back to all the dodgy jobs you've ever had. Let's clock in, Hamish, and I promise you can have a bite of my sandwich at lunch break. Sounds more sexual than it needs to. <laughs> that does not sound sexual. You could have a bite of my you sandwich, mate. You have got something wrong with your brain. You could have a bite of my sandwich, mate. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> That's gross, Hamish. We are currently trying for a child. Not us. us. (laughs) Anyway. Poor Liz and John. I I thought, Liz and Cassio, I thought a fun place to start would be for us to share some of the varying jobs that we've had during our careers before we focus more specifically on the stresses that they brought. So, Vic, your career prior to becoming an author and podcaster. Sounds good, doesn't it? It does sound good. Please take it away. I like the word your career here. Yeah, it's good. Your professional life. (laughs) I have never had a professional life or a career until perhaps this week. This is it. This this I feel like, who calls themselves professional? I feel like you only have to call your, no, hang on. Who calls other people professional? I think yeah. you have to call yourself professional. Yeah. So you can say professional author and podcast. Professional pisshead. That's yeah, what I was. That was the one yeah, thing. That was the one that I was a professional. At. My career was a drinking career. That's more the than one else. thing you got to elite at. Yeah. I did actually hold my book this week. So that yes. was the point perhaps where I thought, oh, actually, I maybe do have a career yes. now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big moment. Yeah, it's a big moment for me. But you'll find out because I'm going to go on and on about that when it comes out. Not so you'll never even, even I am allowed to read. It's literally next door yeah. and Vic has not let me read it. Liz was allowed to read a chapter. Yeah. But no, I'm not allowed. You're not allowed. You've got to wait till it comes out. No. Anyway, that's, my... a, that's assuming that I buy it. I'm not going to buy it. I don't want it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd be really pissed off if you didn't buy it. Anyway, here is my pathetic career, Hamish. Okay, go on. <laughs> Where do I start? The Mexican restaurant. I had to leave that job because I got invited out on a works night out and I woke up and I slept at someone's house, at her mum's house, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard the sound of myself urinating on a thick carpet. 
I knew this question was yeah. going to be a good answer. I, know. For you. I woke up and my friends, I went into work the next day. I said, please don't tell anyone what I did. I got in later than everybody else and they all knew about it. And I left oh, the job the next day. Shit. I was so embarrassed. Yeah, oh, so, so you didn't get fired. You left out of shame. I was humiliated. Yeah. yeah. So Where that's was that? one job. That was Where? in Reading in Caversham Heights. Yeah. Is it still going, that Mexican restaurant? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I fixed fridges in a warehouse in Brighton with a guy that just ate cheese on toast all day. What? You yeah. are the least handy person I know. You yeah, fixed I fi- fridges. Yeah, I filled them with foam underneath. It was weird. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I think I was on drugs. Worked in a post room, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. I loved doing the, the tape machine thing. You know, when you pull tape across boxes. Okay. Yeah, I loved you doing that. You categorised them That was basically postcodes. my job. That was like one of the best jobs I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, failed an interview for a cinema usher once. Okay, how? Yeah. What was the question all that you, you stumbled needed, on? All you needed to do was hold a torch. And that you was dropped it. it. Yeah, no, I was just going to do it. I was like, why have I not got the job? What is going on here? This is how rubbish I am, you see. Yeah. Um, I was an estate agent in Fulham for a while. That's mm-hmm. when I used to have naps in the car as often as possible because I was hung over a lot. Yeah. Didn't pass the exam, was the only person in the whole business, which was hundreds of offices all over London. I was the only person in the whole of England that failed the exam, which they sent an email out and told everybody. They named and shamed you? Yeah, named and shamed me. (laughs) I was a teacher, of course, in Thailand. I owned beach bars. There wasn't much money in any of the jobs I did. And when I was living in Thailand, I had a mate that came to stay with me. And she was like, you've got to move to Japan. That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what are you doing in Japan? She said, all I have to do is insert my hand into a man's bottom. (gasps) Yep, she was making a fortune. She was doing it once a day. She got like five grand a time. One bum a day. One bum a day. Five grand? Yeah, it was absolutely amazing amount of money. But she did have to insert her hand into a man's bottom. Wow. How, mu- how much thing. of the five grand she spent on manicures? Yeah. You want a really nice hand going in the bum. I never shook her hand Is she again. still doing it? <laughs> <laughs> never share food with her. I don't Is think she does. No, I think she's a mother now and she doesn't live in Japan. She's still putting hands in bums. She Maybe, yeah, she's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. Oh, I picked cherries in Australia. I sold insurance. I worked in various call centres. Yeah. The only job I ever had for more than a few months was working on the markets in France and here in Australia. I imported silver from Thailand and I did that for 15 years. The reason that worked for me, Hamish, was because I was in control. I was my own boss. (laughs) You couldn't get fired. So if I was late or if I was hungover, I just didn't go and no one cared. So if you lose your job as an author when you are the only person and sober, yeah. Yeah. If you lose your job on the Sober Awkward podcast as well, you're in trouble. Maybe I'll become a diva, Hamish, and start making yeah. very high demands of you. That's it. Like I want my water at a certain temperature. I only want red Skittles in a yes. bowl like Elton John. You I, want to not record this in a four-year-old's bedroom. I don't want to record this in a four-year-old's <laughs> bedroom, which I explained earlier smelled of um, salmon because the dog had a bit of salmon skin, which we thought he'd eaten. And then we came in the bedroom last night and the salmon skin was on the quilt. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would prefer as a diva not to have a fishy bed yeah that's fair <laughs> yeah little aside yeah um with regards to your rider oh. beyonce her rider includes toilet seats i saw that in the news she today. wants her own toilet seat she wants to sit on a toilet seat that no one has sat on before makes sense makes, makes sense, sense yeah. you may as well all of those sometimes i think oh that's a bit deaverish but all of those people that are working she's employing them mm. and they're they're all making loads of money out of her so why not you know why not ask for what you yeah, want i like it the other one was madonna never wore the same pair of knickers twice she used to have a fresh pair of knickers bought in for her that's yeah. nice yeah 
I've never worn a different pair of knickers. Yeah. <laughs> You've been very loyal to your knickers. I wore the same pair of knickers once, and that's for the last it's 40 years. If you hate cleaning and ironing, yeah. then just one pair of clothes, and then what does she do with the knickers? I don't know. Good Give them money, to good money, and yeah, selling yeah. Them. You have to phone up old Golden and it. sell them online auction. The Japanese men that like have your hands in their bum would buy Madonna's knickers <laughs> for fortune. They would. I'm going to go and hang out outside Madonna's house because she's obviously getting rid of a lot of quality yeah, knickers. Go through her bins. Yeah, maybe we should do that. <laughs> That's it, new job for us. One last job. We don't mind us going through your bins, do you? Looking for your old knickers. Anyway, Hamish, what about you? What were your your jobs? Okay, so Caesar the Lion. That was the Surrey County Cricket mascot. I did that for four seasons. So I've talked about that in the past. There were races. I had to have a signature dance move, all sorts. My first real job, I suppose, was a cigar salesman, trying to pretend that I knew anything about cigars and tobacco to sell it to rich people that came in. It was opposite the Ritz. So we had had high-end clientele. Oh, yeah. Um, I worked as a chef and front of house at a porridge cafe. I'm infamously a bad chef. Our jobs are hilarious. I did once serve a guy porridge that was meant to be made with stock. It's like a savoury porridge, but I accidentally instead made it with freshly squeezed lemon. Mm. It it looked like stock. He ate the whole thing to his credit, but it was the worst thing that I've ever eaten. I made another one to test it. How dare you serve me this porridge, young man? No, that please wasn't posh. Oh, okay, sorry. You're getting confused between (laughs) David off the cigar. I I switched off. You were going on a bit in a cigar shop. (laughs) (laughs) I switched off. Sorry. Um, I was a New Balance shoe at the London Marathon Convention Centre. I got felt up by an old woman. Okay, what is a New Balance shoe? You know the brand New Balance? Yeah. So I was a shoe. So, dressed up as a shoe? Yeah, so I, mm. I, my eyes were looking out of where the laces were. Mm. It was huge. It covered my whole body, but my bum was out and a woman grabbed it. Um, I was a kid's party entertainer like for oh, years. Yes. Yep. I did Roman Abramovich's party. I worked at 10 Downing Street, Wembley Stadium, Buckingham Palace. That was, that was a mental job. Um, I helped set up this charity in Rwanda to build its first cricket stadium. I worked for Robinson's Juice at Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. Handing out free, free juice to the people in the queue. Nice. That was pretty good. Um, I worked for a comedy agency at the Edinburgh Fringe. Oh, that would have been fun. That was cool because one day I got to go. I had to promote Al, Mar- Al Murray's show. Al Murray has got a character called Mr. Giblets, which is a big turkey. And I got to go on stage with him dressed as Mr. Giblets, flying the Scotland flag as the national anthem played. It was the most patriotic I've ever felt. That's I think. very good. So that was good. Um, I worked for Remedy Kombucha here, sold Remedy Kombucha. I was a stripper for one day. I've been a comedian and an actor. I was a fake weather reporter for Greenpeace at Glastonbury Festival. Um, I've also been Prince Charming at Wilderness Festival. Yeah, they were all the fun ones. And then I worked in TV production and uh, radio presenting and podcasting. Because they have quite some um, interesting jobs All there, Hamish. poorly paid. All poorly paid and boozy, perhaps, apart from the kombucha one. Yeah, were any of them boozy, boozy? I didn't do any of them for that long. No, no, okay, none of yeah. them made me much money. Yeah, it seems that we both maybe are not prone to keep keeping jobs. I didn't get fired from any, but I definitely got bored and moved get on. Get bored, yeah. yeah. It's fair to say we've both had enough jobs to last a lifetime. And we have endless stories to tell about each and every one of them. But given today's episode, let us instead focus on some of the stresses that we experienced in these careers. Okay. So Vic, at what point during your varied career have you career, it's good, isn't it? Career, yeah. Have you experienced extreme stress? The only stress I've ever had with a workplace has been more recent, actually. I don't deal well with the expectations of others or authority, so I've managed to avoid workplaces that had jumped up little turds on a power trip. Mm, Yes, good to avoid those. 
That's why I never lasted long. I'm a believer in equality. And if Kevin from HR told me off, I would literally quit the next day. That's why for so many years I've ran my own business. Much better for me and the Kevins of the world. But in all my work, there have been levels of stress, I would say. But I always purposefully chose pretty laid back jobs, a bit like you, I think. Mm, I wanted to avoid stress as much as possible, which of course means I never really had any sort of high powered career. Well, I suppose not until now. Would you call me having a high-powered career? Do you have a high? Do you have a high-powered career? Not really, no. Sort of, but it's more high-powered than it's ever been before. Okay. Which is low-powered, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's most people. Low to medium power. Yeah. The stress I experienced this week, Hamish, was the publishing com- company asked me to give them the first draft yeah. of my next book in two months' time, which is it's not that much. The pressure's yet. on. Yeah, yeah, there's not much written, and the pressure's on. So those sort of expectations really do make me stressed and make me feel like running away. And of course, perhaps if I was still drinking, it would definitely lead me to feel like I wanted a bevy. Okay, that makes what sense. What about you? So interestingly for me, I found the very nature of my career quite stressful. So it hasn't been one specific job; it's been more overarching than that. I've had hundreds of jobs, clearly. And I think the reason for that is that I've been very single-minded about my ambition to become a TV and radio presenter. Yeah. That has always been the focus. All the other jobs just sort of enable me to do that without being too committal. All of my jobs have been basically non-full-time on the side just to keep my head above water. I've never really made any money or progressed like so many of my friends who have had the same job for their whole careers. And as well as the financial stress this has brought is the stress of thinking, shit, what if I'm wrong about the presenting thing? Yeah. I don't really have a plan B and that stress doesn't really go away. So even though, you know, you say, oh, I've got a job that I don't bring home the stress from, you know, when, mm. the, when, I, when I leave the workplace, I'm home and I can switch off. I'm always a little bit switched on and then like, fuck, what if it doesn't happen? Yeah. And what does it happen even look, look really look like? Yeah. It's sort of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I've been able to choose varied jobs which I enjoy and find fun and exciting without any stress. On the other hand is the, oh my God, Am I ever going to make it before it's too late? I think you've chosen a career there, which is like being an actor, isn't it? You always hear that you're striving for something for years and years and years. It's like sports athletes, you know, when they reach a certain peak in their career and they have an injury or something and they can't work again. It's like you're fighting for one thing, Mm. the one thing you can do. And if you don't reach that, that level, that crucial point where it takes off, you might end up feeling disappointed for the rest of your life. So that's why it's got to keep it varied, haven't you? You've got to keep your options open because if you're just going for one thing and that's not working, that could possibly lead you to drinking or mm. stress or perhaps depression. I think that's it. I think fi- like feeling satisfied in a job, mm. I guess that is a goal because I'm not sure if I'll ever feel satisfied in a mm. job. And I think dissatisfaction with your career is a trigger for drinking. Absolutely. Us humans are only simple beings, some more than others, like our lovely little Hamish here. Hello. So when we experience stress in the workplace or otherwise, rather than feel it, live through it and solve it, we turn to booze. That's my mum's nickname. Booze. Booze. Boozy Susie. (laughs) She is pretty much teetotal. Alcohol can provide a temporary escape from stress and anxiety, but it is only temporary. It numbs our feelings, so appears as an effective reliever of stress. How many of you can relate to feeling better after a couple of drinks to take the edge off? Of course, alcohol actually exasperates stress and can lead to longer term negative consequences. 
Hamish, can you remember ever using alcohol to combat stress? I've spoken about the hardest day of my first year sobriety being the day I crashed the rental car. Oh, yes. That was pure stress for me. But with regards to the stress of a career specifically, I wonder how much of my weekend binge drinking was subconsciously to do with the feeling of being afraid of not fulfilling my potential in my career. Okay, I, I think it probably was. I reckon it was in some way connected in at In some least. way, yeah. In Sydney, when I was working in TV, they were long days, right? You're doing 12-hour shifts, five days a week. I was in production, which meant everything from looking after talent, driving, making coffees, looking after a live audience, or shopping for the set. And I did that for two years right. without really making much headway. It turns out I wanted to present the show. They never go, you've been making coffee for two years give the guy a mic like it's a good thing to do if you want to go into lighting or sound or yeah. cameraman like that's a good stepping stone but presenting it's not it took me two years to realize that right quite frustrating that is very frustrating i can hear the frustration from that so that would definitely cause you to lean for a drink i think yeah and it's also not only was it long days also you don't know what your hours are until the night before so you don't mm. know if you're starting at 5 a.m or working midnight to midnight or right midday to midnight so it was quite frustrating it was contract to contract it was never full time there was no real stability. very unstable yeah and as a result of that maybe or not who knows i partied hard at the weekends so I'm sure it's probably all connected. Instability, frustration at a job, working long hours, all of those things people that drink a lot of weekends can probably relate to. Absolutely. What about you, though? What work stress has ever led you to the bottle? I think I drank when I hated jobs, for sure. Yeah. And I've hated most of my jobs. Okay. I'm not a worker. I like to relax. <laughs> I'm a relaxaholic. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I like relaxing. <laughs> When I worked at the estate agents in London, I was desperate for a wine when I got home. I absolutely hated it. It actually wasn't the job. It was the people. They were coked up dickheads and they didn't really speak to me very kindly. Mm -hmm. I never felt comfortable there. And after work, I just wanted to feel better, sort of recover from the people that I'd spent yeah. the day with. And I didn't want to deal with the emotions that I felt about sort of being not part of this weird crew. And also, I didn't want to think about my next day. I wanted to get home and forget about work. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to think about what I had to do, where I had to go, what appointments I had to fulfill. I just wanted to forget about it for a few hours. So, of course, that led to me drinking. I used alcohol so I didn't have to think about my future because I had no idea what I wanted to do for a career yeah, also. Yeah. So there was kind of this day-to-day -day drinking because I hated the people at work. And then there's this sort of umbrella drinking, which was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. I'm in all these fucking jobs that I don't know where I am and who these people are and how this is leading me to a better life. So therefore I drank. It was reckon, easier to party. I reckon that is very prevalent at uni. Mm, of course. I can remember feeling like everyone knows what they want to do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I want to present, but is that even a real job? Like, is, yeah. is being at uni helping? Yeah. And I reckon people drink then. Absolutely. And then that leads into you carrying on that habit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anytime I've ever had stress, it was always because of people rather than the job itself. If mm -hmm. I had good banter with people and it was a laugh, even if the job was shit, I was fine. Yeah, so. But if the people were horrible or you felt bullied or any of those situations, I was like... I hate it. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm exactly the same. The issue of drinking to help relieve stress is that it becomes a habitual behaviour. Before too long, we don't think twice about having a bottle of wine permanently open and waiting for us on our return from work. True. We don't even consider the fact that there are healthier alternatives out there. 
Let's not forget that alcohol is a depressant. It can impair judgment, lead to dependence and harm your physical and mental health. Basically, drinking alcohol in this way will lead to more stress and difficulties in your long-term plans. Whereas most of you will be able to relate to feeling stressed at work and seeking out alcohol to help you cope with it, all of you, I'm assuming, would have at some point experienced the workplace drinking culture. We're talking about the job interviews conducted in pubs to really get to know you. The Friday after work drinks, the boozy business lunches, the work conferences away and the Christmas parties. I just mentioned my dad's advice here, Hamish. My first ever interview that I went to, my dad has some funny ways of thinking. Yeah. I said, Dad, what can I do? Because he was a businessman, my dad. He mm -hmm. sold um, barcode reading machines in the early 80s. And he used to travel and he had a briefcase and a tie and he always smelt of that cheap coffee in plastic cups, you know. Yeah. And he was a proper businessman and he would come home and I thought, right, I've got an interview. I'm going to ask my dad, what do I say? And he said, Victoria, if you go into the interview, to every question they ask you, answer, what's it to you? <laughs> How did that go? Not Is well, that why I didn't, you didn't get that job in the cinema? Yeah. <laughs> Will you, can you hold a torch? What's it to you? <laughs> so that was there. He thought it was hilarious. Is there a joke in the fact that your dad worked in barcodes and you worked in bars <laughs> no but there should be there should be yeah good one whatever your line of work is you probably know exactly what we're talking about we know that this culture is more extreme in some industries than others high commission sales job hospitality insurance finance stockbrokers medical profession just to name a few a bbc report estimated that one in five high earners drink alcohol at least five days a week it is expected of you and even seen as the key to getting a lot of deals done in the business world. The normalisation of drinking has now gotten to the point where the UK government estimated that alcohol-related illness accounted for 7 to 11% of all workplace sickness absence. That makes a lot of sense, right? Don't yeah, that sick, makes sense. Hungover. Yeah. Have you ever made a tea out of yourself at work, drinks or Christmas parties, Vic? I'm asking this question. <laughs> I'm expecting gold dust. Although both of us have jobs where there's not that many Christmas parties. Well, yeah, I've, I have, I've had a few office okay, jobs. Cool. Once I snogged a married man in front of the entire sales team. Oh. I, one of the techie guys. I knew his wife. No. Yeah, couldn't remember it. Couldn't remember doing it. Got the text the next day on my pager. Okay. Did you that know you, you snogged? Duh, duh, I got duh. a fax. Yeah. Wow, that yeah. was it. Did I was you like, know no, you I snogged? I denied. <gasps> I know I did it. But I denied. Shit. Yes. What was that like the next day? I just totally just denied the whole thing. I just pretended, oh God, I was. it was like the worst day ever. But did you see him in the office? Yeah, I just ignored him. I just pretended <sighs> nothing had happened. I was so embarrassed and I was so hungover. And remember that fear that you mm. used to have when you were that yeah. hungover, but you had to go and face something. Yeah. I just thought, I'm just going to deny everything. Fair enough. <laughs> Bad. At my sister's Christmas work do once, I actually told her boss that I was surprised he had employed her because she was thick. Yes, you've told me that before. That's <laughs> How unreal. How embarrassing. She said to me the next day, do you realise what you said to my <laughs> boss? I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. One of the other things, they used to have karaoke at Christmas parties sometimes. Yeah, and I just used to be that person who was hogging the mic and singing Angels by Robbie mm. Williams. I was that horrible person wailing, thinking that I was the best thing in the world. Often as well, 
well if there were bands on I would try and grab the mic or go and get on the drum kit especially if the band were off having a beer a beer break yeah. I'd be like oh, go on let's get the drumsticks or the trumpet and I'd be trying to perform yeah oh just a horrible spitty mess on the stage Dr- red wine dribbled down my cardigan it was not a pleasant sight I've got a good story about Robbie Williams angels so my one of my best mates in Sydney a guy called Nick loves Robbie Williams yeah and my favorite bar in Sydney is called the pickled possum which mm. is a karaoke bar proper dive and he was like I'll come with you and I'll sing Robbie Williams angels yeah now, Robbie Williams angels is the sort of song that you want to sing in the middle of the night Middle or towards the end, you know, it is a slow song. Yeah, it's a ballad, really. And for whatever reason, like I think the start of the karaoke stage was was delayed. And this is a karaoke where there's one stage and you sing to everyone in the whole room. Anyway, he got pushed onto stage first. He's like, this is not the song that gets people going. No. So he just had to go up there Dreary. and just smash it out. Oh. The crowd's really low energy. Oh, God, <laughs> Poor how guy. awful. Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> I met Robbie Williams once. I smelled of cheese sandwiches and I gave him a kiss. Really? And then I ran away, yeah. He's sober. Get him He's on. He's sober, yeah, I so need to get so him So it's your mate with the, with, the, with the bad breath? Yeah, my mate. My mate smelled of cheese sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Hamish? Yeah, okay, so I will tell you my most recent one, Rat Party for a TV show, and we went to a pub in the Rocks in Sydney, and they had lots of their own beers, and I decided I would drink one of every beer. I was going to do the whole flavour, because okay. it was on a company card. Hamish, the normal drinker who is nowhere near an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so my memory was I didn't complete the, the top row of ales. I was meant to be coming home and then taking Liz out for a date. Oh, yeah. I can remember leaving the pub, throwing up on the wall of the pub, throwing up throughout the walk to the train station Mm. and then every train stop between the city centre and Bondi, which was maybe five or six stops, I got off and I threw up. Mm. I had to walk from the train stop back to my house, threw up throughout the walk, came in, Liz is waiting for me. She's like, hey, what's happened? I'm just sheet white. Oh, God. I'm not feeling too good. Straight to bed, passed out, ruined date night. Not the best day. I remember once coming home from a club and being sick on the recreational ground outside my house in Brighton. Mm. And I was really, really sick at night and I'd stumbled back up into my apartment and I'd passed out. And in the morning, I was really hot in bed and I opened the window and I looked out feeling really unwell. And I remembered that I'd been sick and I thought, I'm going to have a look, see if I can see it. And there was a Labrador chowing down. (laughs) No. Yeah. (laughs) The owner sort of standing next to it, trying to pull it away. Nice. That with a noise was not necessary. I didn't need that. I did not do it. How revolting. So at this point in the episode, we want to address the two groups of people who I'm guessing might be listening. We've got those who are sober and finding it hard to be in a booze-soaked work environment, which we want to speak to first. Then we want to address those of you who are still drinking and are struggling to find alternatives to combat the stresses of work and workplace culture. Okay, so my sober friends, what can you do to help yourself flourish at work without giving into drinking alcohol with the rest of your colleagues? First up, tell everyone that you are sober. Set those boundaries and expectations to save yourself having to lie or constantly make excuses to skip work drinks going forward yeah and to avoid those awkward conversations when you're out yeah you don't want to be asked while you're out and everyone's pissed because that is just very annoying only attend the work drinks if you feel confident enough in your sobriety to do so if you are lucky enough to be in this position then just popping in for the duration of one soft drink is likely to help you feel included in that workplace culture 
See if there's anyone else that you work with who is sober or not keen on the midweek post-work drinks. It's always less frightening and isolating to go to these events with a sober buddy. Yeah, if you either, either go with a sober buddy or go somewhere else with a sober buddy. Just go to the cinema or something, have yeah. a nice night out, rather than surrounding yourself with a load of drunks. If you don't feel ready to out yourself as a sober person, bring your own money. Don't let anyone include you in a round and buy mocktails or AF drinks, if that's your thing. Disappear into the group. Yes. Ask whoever organises these events to include more non-alcoholic options. Yes, you might have to see HR to do that because yeah. they, they will organise that for you. Now, it's quite common for events to have alcohol-free drinks now. Be loud and proud or load and prod. Load and prod. <laughs> Be load and prod and try to change the culture a little. Shake it up and offer reasons why it would be better if the workforce were not always hung over. I know, but then you're scared of looking like the teacher's pet. Well, we're going to give you a little stat here, Hamish. Okay, go go on. on. In the UK, researchers estimated holiday season hangovers cost businesses almost £260 million. God. That's £409 million US dollars. The survey of 1,500 people conducted for the web travel site lastminute.com found that about 25% of employees work for fewer than four hours the following day after an office Christmas party, and another 20% of workers will call in sick. That is massive stats, isn't, isn't it? it? So that's how booze is affecting our work culture, because we're not working to our full potential here yeah. again. Also, I found out something very remarkable here, Hamish. Some companies in the UK are now allowing hangover days. What? The policy allows employees to either take the full day off or work from home. Interestingly, non-drinkers are also eligible for hangover days too. Basically, it's for everyone who has had a late night. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, so some companies are allowing that because they're fed up. They're, everyone knows when you're hungover. Yeah. You've been out with the people the night before mm. and no one shows up. Everybody knows. So I think what they're saying is we'd prefer it if people didn't lie and you are allowed three days per year for hangovers now. Wow. In some companies, not in all. I like the fact that so people get it too. Yes. The same way when, you know, when everyone used to have fag breaks yes, if you yeah. weren't a smoker. Yeah. But it is sending the wrong message. It is a bit, yeah. Because it's allowing that is basically it. saying it's cool for you to get hammered during the week or on a Sunday night. Yeah. Really, it should be like, if you're going to get drunk, do it on a Friday or Saturday night so it doesn't affect your job. Yeah. It that should be the message work, if you work have ethic. to drink. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's not a great that. message, I don't think. For those of you that still drink and are finding yourselves resorting to alcohol to get you through a stressful day or to give in to the peer pressure from your colleagues, it might be time to consider some alternatives for your long-term health. Actually, not just for the good of your health, but also for your career. Both of us said and did stupid stuff when we were drunk that could have cost us our careers if we'd had them, Hamish. Yeah. So you could say that they did. Maybe they will now. <laughs> yeah. We are far more trustworthy and harder working to an employer sober than we ever would have been when we were drinking, for sure. Obviously, we do not know what your job is and can't begin to understand the stresses that it brings. The onus is on you to do some work to cut out alcohol and explore other ways to deal with the stress. We always begin by recommending therapy to unpack why you might be struggling to deal with a high-stress career and alcohol. Take a look at your exercise. If you have a job that gives you a lunch break, join the closest gym to your work and run. Lift weights, swim, or kick the shit out of a boxing bag. Which well, is, that'd be nice. You got into it recently. Yeah, I love boxing. Just boxing's kick my the favorite. shit out of things yeah. if you're feeling stressed. Yep. Not people. You could even look at cycling or running to and from work instead of catching a bus or tube if that's an option. It will do you more good than any medication. That's what we've been told by doctors. Exercise is the answer for lots of you. Yep. Slow things out. 
slow things out. <laughs> slow things right the way out. Slow them right out of you. <laughs> I think you mean slow things down. Well, it's a more conventional slow way of saying it. Slow things down and out. Have a play sounds around. Like you're pooing. It sounds a lot like you're pooing. Oh, I slowed one out earlier. <laughs> Have a play around with some mindfulness techniques to see if any of them work for you. Meditating, yoga, breathwork exercises, give them all a go if you need to. And actually, Hamish, a lot of employers involve these people in the workspace now. So you get mental health people coming in. I've even spoken to a company in Germany about alcohol in the workplace. I did like a lecture thing on it. Can you believe it? No. Sounds very professional. I got paid. Yeah. (laughs) That I can't believe. No, I haven't. Unbelievable. (laughs) Try and find the hobbies that help you relax and enjoy life and do those as often as possible. I know it sounds simple. Whether that's through sport in the evenings, a book club, seeing friends, cooking, whatever it is, fill your time away from work doing those instead of heading to the pub. Yeah. If any of those sound like they're too much work or they sound like things that other people do but would never work for me then talk to someone. It doesn't have to be a professional if you don't feel comfortable with that. Talk to your family or a friend. Just voicing these issues can make a world of difference. Even talk to your boss if you can. If they are a cool person, then go up to them and tell them how you're feeling, that you don't want to drink, you don't want to be involved, and they might offer you other opportunities and other ways to socialise with your colleagues. Absolutely. And last of all, quit booze. Quit. That could help. Or job. Quit the job. Quit the job or the booze. At the end of the day, if none of these options are working and you cannot escape turning to the bottle when work gets too much, it might be time to consider another job. True. That might sound extreme, but when it comes to your long-term health, ask yourself, is there really anything more important than that? Also, we need to say, Hamish, I think maybe you need to give up on your presenting dream. (laughs) Give up. What we're saying is give up on your dreams. Give up on your dreams. That's not even a disappointing (laughs) affirmation. Just give up on your dreams, guys. Give up on... This is our podcast. This is the result of this hour of conversation is give up on your dreams. Give up on your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't Would you put that on a sticker? (laughs) Yeah, put it on a sticker. Sober awkward t-shirt. Give up on your dreams and party like it's 1929. (laughs) Shall we finish with some quotes, Hamish? Yeah, we should. If I died and went straight to hell, it would take me a week to realise I wasn't at work anymore. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. I'm quitting to pursue my real dream of not working here. Yes. There's nothing like a spectacular quit. Yeah. They're quite good things to watch on reels and stuff. I've never done a spectacular quit. I have. Have you? I worked in a pie shop in New Zealand, which I failed to mention earlier. And the lady was a bitch. Yeah. I would never normally say that about another female but my God, she was awful. And she was, she worked me. She paid me nothing. It was just terrible. Very stressful. And I just thought, oh God, I've had enough of this. Also, she'd seen me out drinking and I didn't turn up for okay. work the next day. Yeah, but let's leave that out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder she didn't like me. But I threw, I took my apron off and I threw it on her head. <gasps> nice. So that she was like, like a ghost sort of stumbling its way out of a mm. white sheet. And she couldn't see me and I was out the door by the time she got out of That's the apron. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was good. I was like, oh, fuck off. Only me. job I ever quit was when I was working on Big Brother. Yeah. And I quit on Tuesday. And then COVID shut down the whole production on Wednesday and I think I would have got some sort of payout. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is well annoying. But that week, I quit my job and then COVID happened. I had to cancel my trip to Italy where I was going to propose. Oh, God. Our car didn't pass its rego, got written off and we'd only just bought it. Oh, shit. And, and 
a rescue dog that we rehomed got lost and I spent 48 hours walking around the streets of Sydney trying to find it. Oh, that is not a good week. In one week. We did oh. find the dog though, so happy ending. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good. Happy ending, so was it dead? Speak. <laughs> it was alive. Oh, okay. <laughs> on that note, we'll have a disappointing affirmation, Hamish, oh. even though we've told everyone to give up on their dreams. Give up your dreams. Yeah, give up your dreams, people. So this one is, you're exactly where you need to be, working at a job you hate because food and housing and healthcare aren't free and you're massively in debt from buying things to fill the void in your soul. Oh, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all of us, I think, isn't it, Hamish? Before we go, Hamish wants to read out an email from one of our amazing Sober Awkward listeners. Yeah, so you're more than welcome to email us anytime. It's Vic and Hamish at SoberAwkward.com. And we hope by sharing some of these stories with these people's approval, we're not going, we're not going wild here, we'll encourage others to follow suit. So this one is from Matt Bailey. Happy to have his name shared. He said, hi guys, just a quick email to say thank you. The podcast about Hamish's Soberversary was excellent and you guys did a great job of summing up and talking about some of the tough times. I'm three months sober and have a long way to go but when I'm having a tough time one of my go-tos is to head out for a walk with your podcast playing it always serves as a great reminder that I'm not alone in this journey you're doing a great job and please keep it up Matt oh thank you Very Matt sweet. that's lovely we're writing these ourselves aren't we yeah. we're just making people just making up. up names yeah. oh Matt yeah that'll do <laughs> yeah. Steve Steve Davis can't wait to hear Steve's Vic and Hayman you both sound very attractive yeah Vic and Hayman I saw a picture of you in a magazine the other day and I was surprised at how good looking you both are <laughs> I love my partner but then I saw you guys and I'm rethinking <laughs> thanks for listening everybody if you're questioning your relationship with booze you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety it might be time to reach out for some support yeah just talk to a mate about how you're feeling contact a local doctor find an AA or sobriety group fix got one yeah just head to www.cupper.community remember if you're questioning yourself it might be time to seek support even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 